Hello, college football fans, and welcome to episode 13 of College Football Throwdown. I'm your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and joining us is my dad, Peter. Hey there. How you doing tonight, uh, pod world? <laughs> the pod world? <laughs> Could you just say internet? Internet. The Google the, the Google machine people. The Googleverse. All right. Um, that's a... Uh, that's someone who's not a millennial for you there, uh, That's right. listeners. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yes, this is College Football Throwdown, a college football podcast by college football fans for college, college football fans. And we're here today to talk about um, the biggest games of week three and uh, tease what's coming up in week four. And uh, one of the things we kind of wanted to start off the podcast with, going off of uh, a previous podcast... We were talking, you know, there was a whole spiel back in week two about how uh, how the SEC had 10 teams in the top 25, and that was like the most that had ever happened for a single conference. You know, and so all this talk about how Ohio State wasn't deserving and all that sort of stuff, we kind of went into that on the last podcast. And then as it turns out this week, a couple of major SEC teams lose their games, and now the top two teams in the country are Ohio State and Michigan State, two Big Ten teams. So just goes to show that you can never predict these things, especially this early on in the season. We are still figuring out what all these teams are about. And, and that's the interesting thing is, is that, you know, obviously people need to fill time. And so they're compelled to talk about what they think is interesting. The, the issue is not talking about the subject and, and, and making the observation. The issue is, is, is drawing conclusions and making suggestions about relative uh, talent and relative uh, uh, strengths of conferences at, at this early juncture. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's not about where you are now. It's about where you're going to be you know, in about 12 weeks. Uh, keep in mind that it was about this time, you know, just a week or so removed from when Ohio State looked pretty pretty awful against Virginia Tech, you know, last year, and then eventually they they were a, a, a totally different football team by the end of the year. Yeah. And so it is that evolution of the team and uh, injuries and all that stuff play out the way they're going to play out this year will determine so many aspects of this. Yeah. Well, that's a nice transition actually because. Uh, this week, Ohio State kind of struggled unexpectedly, not exactly looking like the undefeatable number one team in the nation against uh, Northern Illinois. Um, in the bar where I was watching the Nebraska game, that game was going on at the same time, so I was sort of watching that in little bits and spurts. Um, but it seems like Ohio State's really struggling with this two-quarterback scenario, not really finding a gel there on their offense. Um, it seems like their defense was kind of what saved them there at the end of the game. Yes, and the bottom line is, is that's why you often will hear people talk about how you know two quarterback systems never work. Uh, it's just very hard from a from a getting into sync standpoint and to not be looking over your shoulder or your teammates be thinking maybe you know the other guy could be doing better than you are. And so as soon as you don't have perfect performance, um, there's immediately the conversation about whoever the other guy is. And so when you have two quarterbacks, you have none. That's 
that's a that's an old adage from coaching <laughs> is if you think if if you've got two quarterbacks you really have none and i think that's where uh you know the the blessing of riches that that ohio state had they went into the season and, and uh, you may recall when we talked about that decision uh for ohio, ohio state i mean i w- i was surprised that he, that he didn't go with jt barrett but maybe the reason why he didn't is for precisely this reason what we're experiencing right now um, one kid uh, tends to be a little off the handle with his social media and things of that nature in Cardell Jones and and that that lack of discipline and um, um, you know not conscious of team implications is not not a great characteristic to have on your team leader quarterback and that's what's showing up so so quite frankly by having a guy like JT to go to in the bullpen now JT can emerge as the guy who pulls it back together. It won't shock me at all if JT's the starter uh, going into this week and he pretty much solidifies the job as his own and Cardell is going to sit in the background for the most part after this. Uh, this that, is, that's that's what I would see. This is one question I had uh, watching that. Let's say, for the sake of argument, that both quarterbacks continue to struggle does Urban Meyer grab Braxton Miller out of his H-back position and throw him back in quarterback? No. I think only under injury force situation does that happen. No. Uh, I, I think I think that he will stay with uh, those two quarterbacks, knowing that both of them are capable of doing very well with the offense. And I think you'll see these early season struggles, again, go away because teams will get better. They just do. And, and Ohio State will get better. So, um, but I just think that ultimately he's going to end up landing on JT as his starter and Cardell as the backup. All right. And then uh, on the previous podcast, we had had some predictions. Um, the one we predicted was the Auburn-LSU game. You had said that uh, LSU was going to win 31-21, and I said LSU was going to win 28-14. Turns out both of us were wrong because they ended up winning forty-five twenty-one in a pretty dominating performance against Auburn. Yeah, I think I did indicate in our conversation on that podcast, though, that 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 LSU had the chance to do just exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that that there was that potential, certainly more so than the other way around, just because of what we had already seen from Auburn and the fact that they were playing at LSU, which is a tough place to play. Yeah, so I'll give you the nod on that one. However, we didn't call a score, but we talked a little bit about the BYU-UCLA game, Um, and I was of the opinion that BYU was going to lose, but it was going to be a close game, and you thought that UCLA would win, perhaps comfortably. And as it turned out, it was a 24-23 win for UCLA. Uh, BYU was actually winning for a good portion of that game. Right, right. And again... They continued to uh, continue to over or overachieve in my mind with with regard to their ability to to, to slow down uh, you know some of these offenses that I have great respect for like like UCLA's and Boise State's and they completely shut us down for a half um, so uh, you got to give um, a, a lot of credit to. BYU for finding a way to do that. Yeah. Although, admittedly, from what I was reading of the summary, UCLA had several turnovers as well. Like, they made big mistakes, and that's what kept BYU in the game, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I, well, that I didn't get a chance to watch the, the first half. I, I, I did stay up very late 
for here in the Eastern time zone and uh, uh, watched it to the end. So I did see the end of the game, uh, but but I was watching that crazy Alabama versus <laughs> Ole Miss game until that was over, and then switched over to the BYU UCLA game. Yeah, I was actually at, at a party with some friends, but I was keeping an eye on the score a little bit, and I was legitimately shocked, like, holy crap, Alabama's going to lose. And uh, I, I did see the highlight of that insane um, pass that, like, went off yes. the the guy's head or whatever and got caught right. for a touchdown. That was crazy. That is crazy. Man. But, you know, and what a great week of college football. I mean, not just, you know, the Ohio State struggles, the great uh, back and forth of that Alabama Ole Miss game, which really – I mean, neither of those teams looked to be tremendous defensively, uh, uh, you know, but but yet uh, there were times when both of them played very, very good defensively. So it was just amazing how they kind of neutralized each other. And then you have the, that BYU game, and then you had our crazy game, uh, mm-hmm. Nebraska versus Miami with the big comeback and then the, the disastrous uh, overtime. And, um, you know, you, you just had some other uh, good games, the the Florida State and and the Clemson games, the two of the ACC you know powers, both struggled mightily uh, in their games on Thursday and Friday. So I mean there were just so many circumstances. Oh, and Arkansas loses again to t- Texas Tech. Uh, kind of love oh. to see that after he opened his big mouth the way he did. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I talked about that a little bit at the end of our Nebraska specific podcast. How this season thus far these three weeks have been maybe even more chaotic than college football usually is there's always upsets and crazy things going on but it really has been crazy with like BYU you know doing their thing and then all the other crazy upsets and just close games that people that expect are just you know it's just been a really entertaining three weeks of college football so far this being the best so far I would say Yes, and and uh, that's been nice. I mean, it just seems like we've had some really good games each week. Uh, you know, I, I would like to hope that maybe the Big Ten down the road would uh, embrace the idea of, of opening its conference season uh, a little earlier and starting to have more conference games in these first four weeks uh, so that you could have some non-conference games later in the, se- later in the season, uh, much like the SEC does because it gives them the opportunity – kind of have a bye week later in the year uh, to prep themselves for, uh, you know, a, a title run, frankly, and, you know, gear up for a, a typically your rivalry game at the end of the season and then, a, a you know, a, a potential conference championship game. I think there's a lot of intelligence in doing that, and I'd like to see the Big Ten duplicate what mm. the SEC is doing in that scheduling approach. Uh, but at the same time, like we've talked about, you know, early on in the year, you know, there's a good chance that a lot of these teams aren't going to be gelling 100%, you know, and working out the kinks of summer and, you know, everything like that. So that's why it's nice to have the non-conference games, especially if they're against lesser opponents at the beginning, so you can kind of figure out who you are as a team before you get into conference play, you know, when those losses really matter. Right, right. Well, and that's why they have historically done that. It's much more distinctive. And frankly, it's it's much more fair if you do it that way, where where everything's non-conference, and then the conference season starts, and you stay in conference exclusively until until the conference is over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this was an interesting one. I kind of saw some highlights from it. Um, Missouri nine, Connecticut six. 
oh, have yeah. an ugly, ugly game on on the Missouri side, even though they won at the end of the day. Well, and and Missouri has struggled uh, uh, a number of times this year. They have not looked like you know the uh, the potentially you know high uh, what do I say top twenty five type team that everybody has pegged them as, and I think they might still be in the top twenty five, but. But they sure haven't played like it. They they might eventually get to that, but they're not looking like it right now. Yeah, actually, I believe they are number twenty-five. That's where they are right now. Um, okay. Another big game: uh, Notre Dame, Georgia Tech. Notre Dame wins thirty yes. twenty-two. Uh, their backup quarterback continuing to do pretty well. You know, and 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 that uh, actually that that was not as close as that sounds. Mm-hmm. So Georgia Tech scored late there. Well, and just in general, in terms of control of the game, stuff that seemed to me in the, in the amount of time I, I was able to enjoy that game, uh, that, that when I ever, ever was watching it, it, my perception was is that Notre Dame was generally in control of that game most of the way. Mm-hmm. And then another interesting game in the SEC, Georgia-South Carolina. Georgia puts 52 point, points up against South Carolina's 20. Uh, pretty, pretty dominating performance there. Yeah. I think that speaks in two ways. Number one, Georgia's really good again, which Georgia's always pretty darn good. But number two, South Carolina is down uh, quite a bit because right now they have no quarterback. And if I remember correctly, South Carolina's quarterback is hurt, and so um, they're they're in trouble. Gotcha. And then another one of the big upsets was um, USC, who I believe was ranked number six at the time, losing to Stanford who really kind of needed that after their week one loss was kind of a big boon for them. Right. And it's going to be interesting to see how much Stanford continues to improve as the season progresses because, you know, they, they didn't look like the team that we expected in that, uh, you know, week one game against Northwestern. Um, but you had the feeling they had some talent. And this is like, when was it going to get together? And it looks like maybe they, it's gotten together. Mm-hmm. All right, so that was most of the games I wanted to talk about. The other, I guess, one was within the Big Ten. Northwestern beat Duke 19-10. to They've had a pretty good start to their year. Well, now, see, I want to talk about that a little bit more. I, I'm here to tell you that's a huge, huge win uh, uh, for Northwestern. And, uh, and I think uh, it, it, just, it just shows so much about, about what that team is right now. And if I were to suggest to you the team that – that looks like it's probably playing the best football, it would be Northwestern and Wisconsin in that uh, uh, Big Ten West. Uh, Northwestern really has surprised me with how how complete of a football team they have appeared mm-hmm. to be. Yeah, and, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Duke was considered by some people the favorite in that game, right? That, I believe that is true, yes. And certainly a, a team that, that people had high expectations for uh, going into this season in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that's interesting, kind of see how the power dynamics have played out. You know, some teams in the SEC, like Georgia, have clearly gone up, you know, whereas others have gone down. But uh, you certainly have to be happy if you're a Michigan State fan, you know, being ranked number two this early in the season and being, you know, it being a little bit more questionable in terms of who's going to win that division between them and Ohio State. Right, absolutely. I think... And, and, and I think Michigan State thrives on the whole underdog role a little bit more. So, uh, you know, being number two to Ohio State is probably uh, the best place they, they would like to be. 
knowing that that team, that game's out in front of them and they can attack it as the underdog. Right. Well, and like you, we talked about this a little bit on last week's podcast, but your whole speculation about the possibility of maybe Ohio State and Michigan State going to the uh, college football playoff, depending on how things play out, uh, does seem possible, given them being number one number two right now. That would suggest yeah. that. Well, yeah, but uh, again, I, I would state as I did then that, that, that it's way too early for that. It's just kind of fun to think about and throw out there into the uh, into the dialogue, if you will, so that, uh, uh, you know, to combat the the uh, constant SEC drone that uh, appears on Espen. <laughs> Good old Espen. All right, and then uh, talking about week four, um, it's a little bit... Uh, a little bit of a lull compared to the last week, although there are still some good games. I see one here, uh, Utah at Oregon, a good Big 12 game, or not Big 12, Pac-12. Yeah, the, Pac- the Pac-12 actually has a number of really nice matchups that I think are going to be very interesting to watch. But uh, for the most part, the rest of the nation uh, is, doesn't have a, a huge you know, list of, of, uh, of great matchups. Uh, you had mentioned that BYU Michigan game, and that's going to be interesting only because, you know, BYU's already played uh, Nebraska, Boise State, and and uh, UCLA, and and played them very well, mm-hmm. uh, even in their loss to uh, Man, UCLA. I hadn't really thought of that, but I guess because BYU is like an independent, and so they have to kind of build up their credibility, as it were, if they want to have a legitimate shot at you know uh, being considered mm-hmm. for that playoff. That's a tough uh, four-game start, like by any anybody's estimation. And, and three of those on the road, and 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 much like uh, some other things, like in, in baseball or NFL football, when you have to play that 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 final game in a long stretch, that's a tough stretch. It's the hardest to, to get up for that because you you're mentally spent from the previous tough games that you knew you had to get through first, right? Mm-hmm. And so for being the fourth game in that sequence, uh, I think uh, I think Michigan is getting BYU just at the right time. They're beat up. They've lost some guys, and uh, and they are just finding their uh, identity as a football program at Michigan with the, their new coach. So um, I, I think it's a perfect storm for Michigan to make a national statement against a team that most people now would acknowledge is a pretty good football team in BYU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, personally, I'm crossing my fingers that BYU beats them so that Nebraska's record looks better and that you know Michigan just loses, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see, yeah. Uh, USC at Arizona State. Uh, uh, UCLA. No, USC at Arizona State, UCLA at Arizona. Oh, oh yeah, both, yeah. Both teams, uh, both matchups in that Pac-12 that look really attractive. So the, this is the Pac-12 weekend, man. This is this is some great matchups. You know, a lot of the SEC teams are playing lesser schools. A lot of the Big Ten teams are playing lesser schools. Notre Dame's playing UMass. Uh, now, uh, Tennessee at Florida is a big game uh, in the SEC. Um, um, uh, what do you call it? The SEC East. Uh, so that should be an interesting one uh, within the SEC that that'll draw some 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 interest. Mm-hmm. And, oh, you can't forget the Ohio Bobcats at Minnesota. What a huge game that's going to be. Oh, yeah, well, Ohio has actually gone off to a great start for their season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was, is their record? They're 3-0. and 
Oh. Yeah, no, we beat, uh, damn, I'm forgetting, we beat somebody in week two. It's like a rivalry game, so we got to take home the trophy kind of thing. Oh, uh, so you already played a conference game. Yeah, I'm blanking on who that is now, but that would be interesting. You know, Minnesota's probably going to win that game, but uh, but if my alma mater could pull it off, that would be interesting. Oh, I would love that. That would be awesome. That would be funny. Uh, All righty. Hey, did also... Also, did you notice uh, on a totally separate side note is, you know, the uh, the Marching 110 was just named the number oh. one college band in the land. Yeah, well, I think we've we've won that in previous years as well, but it is good to see us getting that. Also, we're the number one party school again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I saw, that was not so great. I saw that getting posted as well. <laughs> so too funny well i tell you it's it's looking like it's a nice slate of games it's not the best slate but it's 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 weeks like this where there's a lot of not expected to be good games where surprising crazy things all always happen so i'm gonna i'm gonna suggest that that there's gonna be one or two games this weekend that are gonna really open people's eyes and like wow I, i can't believe that happened um uh as well as of course the whatever happens with the with the big uh matchups so, so uh, like always, the college football will deliver, even when the slate of games doesn't look like it's very right. good. Do you um, do you want to predict the Utah at Oregon game? That seems like the biggest. Uh, sure. Game well, you know what? I, I don't think that one's very hard. I think Oregon wins, and I think it's not even close. I think Oregon wins big. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Utah. You know, they're the team that beat Michigan yeah. first thing. Now I would I would suggest the UCLA at Arizona and the USC Arizona State that that those two games would be really good ones to, to pick. I would probably go in both cases with the California schools. I would pick UCLA over Arizona and USC over Arizona State, even though both of the Arizona schools are at home. I'm going to predict USC and UCLA scores. I'm not. I'm not sure I could go too close on that, but I just have a feeling that UCLA and USC are going to come out victorious. USC, after that loss to Stanford, they're going to be on fire. They're going to be so mad. All right. Uh, let's see. I, I like the UCLA game and Arizona game. Is actually is probably the most the biggest game because UCLA is now number nine, so actually ranked ahead of uh, Oregon. Kind of interesting to think of that because Oregon lost to Michigan State. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say I agree with you. I think UCLA wins that game even though they're on the road uh, after that tough trial against um, BYU. Um, but I think it could be close. So I'll go ahead and predict a, uh, let's say, 28-24 to 24 victory. Okay. Wow. All right. Cool. All right, are you going to have a, a score for that one? On the UCLA-Arizona? Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm going to say I'm gonna say that, um, uh, boy, it's going to be high scoring. I think it's going to be like 35-28 UCLA. All right, I was thinking about that too, so I might get mad that I didn't stick with that. <laughs> we'll see. All right, so 35-28. I'm jotting these down now so we can keep our records good. <laughs> yes, so we can keep track. Outstanding. Sounds good. You know, and uh, on the you know the global subjects of 
college football, I don't really have anything to hit on the national scene other than the fact that I think we've already had uh, a great start to the season. And as I had indicated uh, early on one of our earlier podcasts that I was optimistic that this was going to be a great college football season just from an overall interest and excitement standpoint. And I think it's playing out that way so far. I think I think you could make arguments right now for any number of teams that might be the best, especially after Ohio State, which many thought was a shoe-in, had struggled. <clears throat> There's not anybody that's got it all together right now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good teams, but no great ones. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I agree with that. There's definitely a lot of uncertainty now, you know, and that makes for interesting uh, conversation. We, you had actually, I remember in, before the season began, talked about how you thought that this Ohio State team had the potential to be like a uh, 95 Huskers-esque, like really historically strong football team. How are you feeling about that thought now? You know, I, I would have to concede that, that, that they did not, they have not come out of the blocks with that level of, of proficiency and efficiency that, that, the, that the Nebraska team did. So I would say that my, that prediction is probably going to fall uh, to the wayside. Um, but, but I'll still stay with it that, that I still think that once they figure themselves out, and I hope that, that uh, you know, um, Urban Meyer is smart enough to figure it out, that, that he needs to go with JT Barrett at quarterback, let Cardell uh, do whatever it is he's going to do, hopefully respond in the right way and, and be a good teammate. And uh, and just let JT lead the team. Mm-hmm. All righty then. Well, I think that wraps up our um, discussion of week three and preview for week four of this great sport called college football. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can email us at huskerpete13 at gmail.com. You can find us on podomatic.com. Our football throwdown.podomatic.com is our website. We're on iTunes. Uh, give us ratings and reviews. We like to hear from you guys. You know, comments on anywhere we post the podcast is also appreciated. Uh, yeah, and and we didn't get any questions last week, so I hope we can get a question or two maybe out of somebody uh, who's listening and enjoying the podcast. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Yep, we always love interacting with the fans. All right, so thank you, Dad, for joining me. For you know, I know this is a long like we record these podcasts back to back, so it's a long thing, and you have it later than I do since you're on the East Coast. But you're you're a soldier. You're powering through it. That's right. All right. All right, sir. Hey, have a great week, everybody, and let's have a great weekend of college football. And and for us Husker fans, go Big Red. Red.